Hello and welcome back to the weekend spread. I am on AirPods, so it sounds like garbage, but we should be better because I'm switching to Yeti. I Blake disappeared. Why did you just? Why did you Blake? Blake I disappeared. We all thing. have different. We all have different name tags. There we go. I did not touch a single thing. All right. Who dis? Someone disappeared. Blake. This is just going great. This is going great. Welcome to the Weekend Spread. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we've got Ty Lee, the captain himself, Boaten Blake, and uh, joining us remotely eventually from time to time, it'll be Jameson. So, um, yeah, uh, another week of Weekend Spread stuff. From time to time. Okay, well, what, what is going on? What is going on? I just heard myself in the background. This is, was, this is that unusual. Was a headphone. That was this a, is not a microphone. Me. This... Microphone headphone issue on my end. We, my I mean, look, we're usually messy, but this is uncharacteristically messy. It's a big weekend, folks. We gotta, we gotta be up for this. But l- before we start talking about this massive slate we have, we gotta talk about the standings because, look, the man who went zero and seven to start the season in week zero has redeemed himself. Bowden Blake has risen to the top of the standings, and he went. 10 and 0 last year, last week. He's sitting at 22 and 15. Absolutely just monster, uh, monster performance from the captain. Like, there's nothing left to say. Take it away, my friend. Yeah. I say out of all the sports records out there, whether it be Joe DiMaggio's hit streak, Cal Ripken's Iron Get uh, Iron Man streak, this is one of the most impressive. I told y'all week one after that week zero happened. 0-7 is just as hard as 7-0, and and I proved it that I can take that adversity. I can take on that challenge. I went 10-0. and 10-0. I don't think it's ever happened in the weekend spread. Um, maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, but I think we are talking about a first of all time, and I was feeling the board last week. I knew something was fishy with some of these lines. I knew Ty was taking some bad takes. I know Ty was trying to take me off the stream starting this because he's anemic to good picks right now. So that is fine. That is fair. But look, this week, Road Warriors, as you can see, different background, different part of my apartment moved out. I'm currently don't have a webcam. I'm just going off of my off of my uh, laptop one. I got my mic in my hand. No stand this week. I got my stool from the F1 race uh, that I was using as my portable seat that collapses into something about three inches big. So this is a road performance. It's good for Iron Skillet Week, a game that you will not be seeing on this uh, slate because Bobby decided to remove it for no reason. Uh, there was a game. Uh, we'll address it when it happens. Uh, that got that took precedent over it which makes absolutely no sense but uh similar to how the iron skillet game is i'm a road warrior right now my home is not here i'm on away turf but similar to iron skillet turf uh basically making this my home uh tcu fans make smu their home i'm just in the crappier version right now with no furniture just like smu stadium so a lot of parallels to this week um i'm just ready i'm ready i want to i'm gonna keep the streak riding this week i know it i i've not been in first in a while so this feels great i'm just riding the wave the scenic view in the background gets me that that is just such a great look it's like it's weird because even though this is your rogue setup the lighting looks better. The background oh, it's so is much better. cooler. What? I, yeah, this is, this see, is my desk was my desk was in a dungeon. Like it was in an absolute dungeon, and I just like I can't take up the whole apartment. I have a booming voice. My my words are echoing throughout the halls, and so we're hearing the uh, echo, to, but it's okay. Yeah. 
to uh to my girlfriend yeah i don't want to bother her as i'm just yelling about san diego city or one of the many other things that i'll go on many rants so i went back into the dungeon but yeah that is fine that is fine i'm so happy this week i'm so happy to be back this is last year i was so miserable every single week fighting for the bottom and this week i get that victor spot i get to lead from the front so i'm excited now i mean yeah excellent performance what can you say i can't be salty about that uh ty on the other hand your run of uh success has come to an end you had a pretty brutal three and seven performance you fall to the back of the pack 17 and 21 uh Okay, first off, how disappointed are you? And second, uh, how are you turning things around? Yeah, well, well, I had one bad week, right? I, the only reason I'm down is because I played my wild card already. It didn't hit. Uh, oh, well, my wild card did hit, actually. It was, um, oh, my pot of greed hit. My wild card did not. But So I'm down. I have one more game on the board than everyone else. Um, yeah, Blake, like, like Bobby said, your production value looks so much better. It looks very, very good um, right now. And I, I don't really, another thing to address with Blake, I, I'm confused as to why he's upset about us not having the iron skillet game on the slate TCU versus SMU, because I thought we were following TCU's lead. I thought we were honoring your wishes by abandoning this game uh, because it's irrelevant uh, according it's to Jane. Your your team. So I mean, I don't know. It's you got to pick one. You got to pick a side. It's um, a shame. No, I I picked a side. You don't. Story, you don't get rid of rivalries in a state of college football, which seems to get rid of one like every single month. I'm tired of it. That's fair. Well, I mean, even though the skillet, like it is a everything to lose for TCU, nothing to gain. Um, it's still a rivalry. It's a cool deal. You got You got to keep it. And if SMU fans like they've been talking the they've been talking that crap for the last month or so, if they can really back up their talk, they're going to be an elite team, top of the ACC. So I don't see why you get rid of it. That's true. That is yeah. true. Well, Classic, in this conclusion, is a, yeah. Go ahead, Ty. I'm you sorry. got this. No, I was going to say in conclusion, right? I, I want everyone to remember. I've been stringing together some consistent weeks. We fell last week. We did some things that we knew we shouldn't have done, like trusting Josh Heupel in Tennessee. Uh, we fell victim to some classic blunders, just betting on brands instead of actual teams, something that I personally am uh, guilty of very frequently on the podcast. And then I think we saw some things starting to unravel um, earlier than expected, specifically with my wonderful Colorado Buffaloes, thanks to some horrendously dirty plays by Colorado State, although they did all together put together a good game. We stumbled a little bit. Could have gone either way. I want to remind everyone that Blake has just gone five and five with a bunch of extra steps by winning everything one week and then losing everything another week. So let's not get too excited. Like Most Blake, you've ever seen. Blake is the color. Blake is the Buffaloes of this podcast. He's trying to be super flashy. Started out, he's like, "Look at us, we're amazing." And then uh, this podcast is about to be the Oregon Ducks for him. I go for gasp. I go for gasp, Bobby. <laughs> Perfectly balanced as all things should be. You know, he, he went full Thanos with uh, his weekend spread. All right. Jameson, uh, as mentioned, uh, still working the night shifts, but he was gracious enough to record his picks. And uh, here's a little intro from the man himself uh, just popping in. Jameson, how's it going, man? Last week of Robot Jameson for a little bit. 
It's 4.55 in the afternoon on Wednesday before the weekend spread, and I had just woken up. I'm so ready to be back on the day shift, hanging out with the boys. Um, it's going to be a good time, but here are my picks for the week. And just a quick shout-out to Blake, 10 and 0. I know y'all probably already talked about it ad nauseum, but we just got to get the shout-out for myself as well. There you go. The Ghost Jameson gave you props. Pretty good stuff. Um, but anyways, enough enough of that. Let's get into it. Uh, if, you, if you're confused at why you're here, first of all, why are you still here? Uh, this is a this is a pick show. We're gonna pick some games, and we're starting with the biggest one of them all this week by far. I would say it's the Ohio State Buckeyes, ranked number six in the country, three and zero, one and two against the spread, heading to South Bend to take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, ranked ninth. Uh, Notre Dame four and zero. They played uh, week zero, so that's why that looks a little funky. Three and one against the spread. The Bucks entering this game minus three. Uh, you can find this one 6.30 p.m. Central on NBC, maybe Peacock. I, I don't really remember how that works. Blake, since you are um, currently at the top of the standings, you go first. Who do you like in this battle of the brands? Any other year, I'd be choosing Ohio State, but this one's pretty easy to me. Notre Dame looks fantastic this year. They're killing teams. I think Sam Hartman is a dark horse Heisman candidate, one that I thought he was great at Wake Forest, and I thought he would honestly take a step back in a slower system like Notre Dame. It's not like you're throwing it every single down of the ball, uh, every single down, and he honestly looks more fantastic. He looks more composed. As to me, they're good running back. They seem to have established the run game. They're pushing people around front. I'm impressed with Ohio State. Don't get me wrong. I think last week against Western Kentucky, I think a really good G5 school with a good offense. Their defense just came in, shut them down early, wouldn't allow them to score. And we started seeing that Ohio State offense clicking. But Sam Hartman, a senior, somebody that we've seen time and time again do well versus Kyle McCord, a guy going into his first start of a big game in an atmosphere like Notre Dame. I it's Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame. And this could be drinky the Kool-Aid, but like if Notre Dame wins this game, I think they're easily making the college football playoff. And then I think we actually have to start having discussions that Notre Dame could win the national title, which is the first time I feel like in my lifetime that we could have it. Yeah, they could win this game for sure, for sure. They are that good. Like they could be that good if their defense steps up, the offense, the running game still continues. Yeah, we might be we might be doing some Notre Dame national championship talk next week if the Notre Dame fighting Irish pull up the upset. So give me the Irish. Wow. Big, big optimism for Notre Dame. All right. Next up in the uh, rotation, we got Jameson. Jameson, how are you feeling? Iowa State at Notre Dame, favored by three points. I think I'm going to take Notre Dame in this one. It's pretty tough. It's going to be a really, really fun game to watch, but I'm just going to take points plus a more veteran quarterback in Sam Hartman versus a guy, Kyle McCord, who still needs to show and prove the nation that he is the kind of guy that can be Ohio State's quarterback. And then three, you got to pick the home team whenever you have these points. Notre Dame will be electric in this game, and but I could see it going either way. So just give me the points. Give me the experience. Yeah, look, let's make it three on the Irish here. Uh, this is a game for men. This is not a game for baby boys, for the little freshmen out here, for dudes named Kyle. No, no, no. Look, Kyle McCord, he might be a great quarterback yet one day, but 
walking into Notre Dame Stadium, walking into South Bend, it's just going to be too much for him. Uh, we've seen him on the road in Indiana, not great to start off the season. Back in the state of Indiana, this time at South Bend, it's going to be nuts, um, especially when you're going up against, you know, a grown man like Sam Hartman. He's got the big bushy beard. He's got the he's got the Arthur Morgan vibes in Red Dead Redemption too. Like you haven't shaved in a while. He's Sam Hartman, great. no, he's looking great. He knows what to do in big games like this. He has been there. He's done that, and I feel like he's going to go out absolutely execute. Will McCord? I don't think so. Give me the home dog plus three uh, to win in South Bend. Uh, and look, if you're if you're getting annoyed by Colorado by now, we're about to throw some Notre Dame in this mix. Notre Dame's never fun when they're on a title run. This feels like the best Notre Dame team since 2012. It just has that type of vibe. So um, get ready for that. But uh, yeah, I don't know if, if you're if you're sick of overexposed college football teams, we're about to add one more to that pot. Yeah. First off, if my memory uh, serves me correct, Notre Dame, in fact, legally speaking, did not win any games in 2012. So do with that information what you will. I have some numbers for everyone. The first number is the smallest one. It is seven. Seven, this number shocked me, is the number of times that Ohio State and Notre Dame have met ever. That is absolutely insane to me. Next number, a little bit bigger than seven, 3,635. And then that third number is 5,965. Now, you might be saying, what are these numbers, right? Back when Notre Dame last beat Ohio State, the average depth you had to drill to hit some oil in the United States was that for that second number, 3,635. That's how deep you had to get to hit oil in the U.S., right? That, those, those were the shallow reserves. We burned those up now. Now you got to drill down to that other number, and that number is even dated by a few years. Probably got to drill a little deeper. We're not talking about fracking here. We're just talking about some, some good old-fashioned drilling. Last time Notre Dame beat Ohio State, 1936, absolute insanity. You didn't have to be very deep back then as a team either. Notre Dame, I don't think, has the depth. I'm going on an island here for the team that has the depth because we are a pro-drilling podcast Anyone wants to sponsor us that's in oil and gas, pro-drilling podcast. Give me the Buckeyes. Drill, baby, drill. All right. Ties out here. You know, I, I love it. We'll, we will drink your milkshake for those sponsorship bucks. I'm that's fine with Ty not- being – I need Ty to be cast away this entire week. Just cast away. You sucked on islands last week. Got absolutely obliterated on the island. I am fine with Ty being Yeah, but now I'm week. on an island. I See – Maybe last week was all to set you guys up, right? Because now I'm on an island fading Notre Dame. Just statistically, ignore everything else. That's a really good place to be. Oh, yeah. I would say if you told me last year, fair. Very fair. Yeah. Being on an island with Ohio State, that's a little bit different. You're right. That, that That's not a bad place to be. All right, let's move on to our next game. And this one has to... Uh, really tug at Ty's heartstrings a little bit here because it's the 19th ranked Colorado Buffaloes 3-0, 2-1 against the spread. Coach Prime heading to Autzen Stadium and the Oregon Ducks ranked 10th in the country. Uh, the Ducks 
3-0 against the spread. They are favored by a whopping 21 points. You can find this one at on uh, at 2.30 Central on ABC. Ty, tough call. Who are you rolling with? Look, I'm going to have to keep myself short here because I could do a whole podcast episode just on this myself. As anyone who's listened to the podcast for a while knows, I have for a long time, long before Coach Prime, long before anyone else, been sympathetic to the Colorado Buffaloes. I've loved that team. I also love the Oregon Ducks. Whenever these teams are playing someone else, I'm cheering for those teams. Uh, I don't like to say I'm a fan necessarily, but I'm, I'm certainly sympathetic towards both these teams. I, I want to get this out of the way. I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to take the Ducks here. I understand the spread is really, really big. I Oregon is going to win, and I I just know that the discussions on Coach Prime, I firmly 100% believe in what Coach Prime is building at Colorado. I think it looks like what the future of college football looks like. I don't think he's a bad head coach, but you don't have to be the best X's and O's guy to be a good head coach. Nick Saban, you know, this is not at all diminishing what he's done. His biggest thing in being the most successful college football coach of all time, debatable, but I think so, is he was able to recruit staff well. If you can recruit staff well, everything else falls into place. Look at Coach O winning a national championship at LSU back in 2019. You recruit the staff, it brings in the players. He's bringing eyes to this program, to these players. If I'm a high school recruit, I, you know, you really got to really consider, do I want to go play for Coach Prime? I'm, he's going to have coordinators in there. I'm going to be in the locker room with The Rock. We're going to get all sorts of national visibility. I don't want the storylines to flip. I got to take the ducks, unfortunately. Travis Hunter's part of that. Again, I could go on. I'm going to have to cut myself off. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to ride with the ducks. Do not support uh, whatever you know the Oregon coach is trying to do with this, trying to talk or whatever. I don't think it's going to work, but I, I think the ducks have it. So... Here's my thing. I think Oregon wins this ball game, and I think any chance that Colorado had at winning it straight up went out when Travis Hunter lacerated his liver. Um, but at the same time, I feel like Shadur Sanders and that Colorado offense has enough firepower, has enough just just you know pure offensive energy to keep up with Oregon. Uh, this is a Ducks team who I feel like is a tad bit overrated. We saw them struggle against the Texas Tech team that I'm not super big on. Um, they're going to obviously come ready to play. Colorado has a, has the target on their back now. Not only are they no longer coming, they're here, and they are the largest thing in college football right now. Oregon is ready is going to try to stomp them. I just frankly think Colorado's offense is just too good for 21 to cover. Uh, so yeah, give me the, give me the buffs here. Um, I'm not even sure if it'll be a close game, but 21, just way too many points for me to, uh, to pass up for uh, that prolific offense. Um, and look, I know they looked bad against Colorado state. I, I feel like that's one of those things that it was all, there was just too much, so much distractions, little Wayne leading you out the rock that, that, it's you know it's it's yeah too bright turn those lights down you know that's that was the vibe going on with the buffs um it's gonna be a little bit different on the road i think they'll be focused i think they keep this thing close enough uh to cover all right jameson what do you got florida state at clemson Uh oh that was not the right file um <laughs> jameson, Come on, jameson. Jameson, lock well, in buddy lock in lock in what are we doing well bobby's well bobby's finding the correct jameson i all right, Colorado traveling to yeah. Oregon as a 21-point dog. And 
<laughs> Let me tell you something. I feel like the whole weekend spread is going to pick Oregon, and it's just the easier pick here. Colorado showed to be not that good of a defensive team or just, you know, complete team versus Colorado State. I understand that game versus TCU had a lot of hype. Even the Colorado State game had a lot of hype. Um, but I think people know deep down that this team just isn't a team that can compete with one like Oregon. And I think Oregon can run away with it quickly and early if they get a couple stops for this Colorado offense. If Colorado offense gets in a hole where they're down by a couple touchdowns, I think things could spiral and get out of control very, very quickly. Travis Hunter being out is such a big deal for momentum. It's just like getting the, you know, the air knocked out of this team. I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense for a dirty hit for Travis Hunter. But still, like this is the air knocked out of the team because whenever you don't have one of the best players in college football and you're going against a gauntlet where you have to go against Oregon and USC right now, it's just going to be tough for them. It really is. And I think things can get away from them very quickly and very early. So give me Oregon minus 21. All right. Uh, another pick for the Ducks. Got to say, not, not only did he pick the wrong game, Ty, but then he, he goes and interrupts you. What, what the hell, Robot Jameson? Just no decorum. Th that this is why we need to stop funding the AI. You know, they, they just don't they don't know when to they they don't have human decorum. Uh Blake, who do you like in this game? Yeah, selfishly plus just logically, I gotta go with the ducks here. I'm tired of the I, I, I like Coach Prime. I like I like the games and the product that he puts on the field. Like I thought Colorado, Colorado State, although it got a little out of hand, I kind of like my football games being like that. I like to see that passion, that juice, that like vitriol between teams that I feel like we don't get to see anymore. And it was, I know people were calling for the guy to get ejected. He probably should, but it makes it such, like, it makes it so much more interesting when they're not calling stuff like that, and they're really just going at each other. We got Shador Sanders with the eye poke. We got people just going back and forth, one another. It's fantastic. It makes a fantastic on-field product that I really hope, like, that's what makes me excited about prime in uh, college football. But the thing that I hate about it is uh, not to God, the one take I actually agree with Josh paid on the one time I finally do. It brings too many casuals to the sport. I'm done with it two times this week. The first one, <laughs> first take is now doing a Colorado segment every single day on ESPN. And they had Matt dog Russo on the, on, on the show today. He was calling Jay Norvell, Jay Norval every, like every single time. You can't even get the guy's <laughs> name, right? Like, he and then we had I saw a clip on Twitter today where it was uh Kirby Smart standing up giving an impassioned halftime speech, probably what he does every single game. And somebody quote tweeted as like, look at the prime effect in college football. Isn't this fantastic? Like he's really brought some passion out of these coaches. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? We're talking about the same Kirby smart. That was saying people were doubting him while they're in the national championship, blowing out my team. Like this guy is like a mastermind of just firing up his team at any point, whenever they have like a NFL style defense on the roster, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the takes. I want to see them lose and I want to see them lose bad, but also it's just or, Oregon. Oregon is fantastic. They're good on both sides of the ball. They consistently are. Bo Nix is just as good of a class as Shador Sanders when it comes to college football. He's really proven that in Oregon. I think so with what we have seen him time and time again. I don't think Sh Shador Sanders hasn't played a real defense yet. TCU, I love you, but we have a horrendous defense. We can't tackle with <laughs> crap. Nebraska, we saw, couldn't even move the ball. They had a good defense kind of in the first half a little bit before it broke away there. And Colorado State's not fantastic. I think they're a decent uh, Mountain West team, but uh, just like 
struggled with them. That defense can't stop anything. Like if Bo Dix even has an average game, he's running all over uh, Colorado and they just basically have to rely on Shador Sanders playing the perfect game every single game. And just another little sprinkle why you should go Oregon. The coaching was bad. The coaching was bad for Colorado. And I know this isn't a prime decision. It's it's on the offensive coordinator. They bring him in from Kent State. He's a head coach. Why are you choosing to take the ball first in overtime? And uh, as people learned, it's not a alternating, oh, you get the ball second. No, it's you get it's alternating choice. And you chose to get the ball first when you won the uh, coin flip. It just seems like a little rookie move from this from this coaching staff. I'm just ready for the down, uh, downfall. Dan Landing, I think, is just going to just destroy them. And I think just going to ramp up points because I think he's legitimately mad at Colorado. And I know a lot of these head coaches are legitimately mad about what Coach Prime has brought to the sport. So give me the Oregon Ducks. Okay. I'm chilling on Prime Island today or uh, this week. Okay. I could deal with it. I could deal with it. And I will say that Kirby Smart thing is uh, that, that you said earlier that, oh, yeah, it's a prime effect. Kirby Smart's like free national championship, uh, you know, pep talk. Pep talk sounds wild. Whatever it was, far, far more intense than he anything. sounded Cotton like did. he was about to murder a kid. <laughs> like he was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he was he was saying things that I look, we're, we keep it pretty pretty loose here on this podcast there's stuff I, he said in that i would not want to say on air he was intense man i, I mean that's uh, yeah no that's not flash that is just raw emotion <laughs> it's yeah yeah so to say that prime has any effect on that that's that's just dumb uh and i i, I am riding with you on the whole too many casuals all are all in on this the what nine million people who tuned in to um what to, to colorado colorado state at night, a uh, 21-point spread. Like, come on. Like, yeah. They just don't know I, ball. Who? It was the best game of the year so far, though. It was. It was fantastic. It was great. Like, the actual, the on-field product was fantastic. Yeah, like, take away the context, and it's you know, outside of Coach Prime and everything, and it's just unreal. So that is fair. Uh, all right, let's move on to our next game. We've got the number four, fourth uh, overall uh, Florida State Seminoles. 3-0, 2-1 against the spread. They're heading to Death Valley to take on the Clemson Tigers, who are 2-1, 1-2 against the spread. Knowles favored by 2.5. This one can be found at 11 a.m. Central on ABC. Uh, Blake, what do you think about this one? Obviously, Clemson got off to a rocky, rocky start against Duke. But uh, I don't know. This seems like a, This seems like a moment to redeem themselves at home. It is, and like there's some worry, I guess, with Florida State really struggling with Boston College uh, there till the end. Like Boston College had a chance to win that game right there at the end, but I'm not scared. I think it was a classic look ahead spot. Really, Florida or like Florida, like Boston College relied on so much special team turnovers, like kind of the random stuff that is not repeatable that kept them in that game. And I just think Florida State's so much better. It's kind of a square line. Like if you want to be sharp, it feels like you're going to be all over Clemson. Like they're really not that bad. Clemson should probably be ranked. The rankings are abysmal right now that SEC teams are losing early on and still somehow staying in the polls. I, I don't get it whenever we have such a small sample size, but 
yeah, I Clemson inspires no hope to me. Uh, Florida State is in my playoff has been since the beginning of the year has had this game circled because kind of after this game, they don't really have a meaningful test. So this is the rest of their season. I think even if they lose this game to make the playoff, if they went out, it's easy as that. I, yeah, I've just, I saw what I saw that first game. I'm not back in Dabo. Give me the Knowles. Okay. Kick into Jameson. Florida State being a two and a half point favorite here in the picks Florida State. I understand the preseason ACC pod. I said Clemson was going to win this game. And you would have kind of one loss from Florida State and one loss from Clemson being random. And that still fits this timeline with Clemson losing to Duke. But I'm shifting. Just Clemson's not fitting the eye test. The Duke game, there were a lot of issues in terms of the offense and just honestly their defense too. And then the way they started versus Charleston Southern, I understand it's Charleston Southern. I understand that. It's a huge asterisk. It's not that good of a team. But that first quarter looked horrible. I'm sure they scored like 66 unanswered versus them afterwards. I just don't like that. Florida State's line's getting pushed down a little bit from what happened last week with their close game. But that was a look-ahead game. They're looking ahead to Clemson. They were ready for this game. There's just too much talent here. Jordan Travis hopefully is healthy and closer to um, feeling 100% compared to what he was throughout that last game. I think he should be fine in terms of his overall health. Give me Florida State to, to really like stun Clemson here at home. So I don't know if it'd be a stunning move to if uh, Florida State beats Clemson uh, in Death Valley. Um, because, look, Clemson looks a little bit better, but they're not fixed, I don't think. Uh, Florida State, obviously rough against Boston College. And I think we need to start implementing a Boston College rule. Um, look, Eddie Staples brought it up plenty of times on his show uh, on uh, on three great, great work. Uh, look, if you're, listening, if you're a college football fan, you already know it. Uh, Boston College has the red bandana game every year, uh, honoring uh, obviously the uh, just genuine legend of the red bandana on uh, the uh, uh, World Trade Center attacks. Um, incredible story. Read, make sure to read that if you haven't uh, read about that. And they always play their ass off. And I feel like every year, regardless of the opponent, always a close game. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give Florida State a pass for that. I don't think that's who they are genuinely. I think they're going to come to Death Valley and just destroy them. Uh, they're motivated. They're better. Um, and look, there's still an air that Clemson is the team of the ACC. They have dominated this decade. And Florida State, they they know that if they want to be the new rulers of the ACC, you got to beat Clemson. I think that's what they do. Give me the Knowles uh, minus two and a half here. Ty, let me take a guess. You're going with Clemson. I did. That would be very on brand for me. I, I kind of almost talked myself into it while everyone was talking. I was like, you know what? I should just do the chop the entire time everyone's talking and then just pick Clemson just to go out on an island. Like, here's here's the thing. Clemson is not good. I, I think there's a lot of brand writing on this. I, I really don't know. It's It's almost alarming to me that the line is this low because it has me thinking – because I know that I don't really know that much about college football. It has me wondering what Vegas like knows when they're setting these lines, because it just doesn't like it's it's too good to be true. It does seem like a bit of cheese under a, a box that has like a stick propping it up, um, sort of. I like the Knowles in this one. Um, I would have liked Florida State 
minus like eight and a half. I, that would have been sort of my guess. Um, you know, y'all touched on sort of everything else with the Boston college game with Florida state and everything else. But I, I really feel like there's just too much brand value sort of driving this one. I think the, the hashtag, the casuals, as Blake would say, are, are being drawn in and they're looking at this game and they're remembering, you know, Clemson, 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 kind of the same with Bama this year. And, and, you know, maybe even OU last year is you have all these lines that are just so skewed based off the brand and no one's looking at the actual team and, and what the team has put out there. So I really like Florida. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty high. I don't think I'm as high on Florida state as Blake is, but I'm pretty high in Florida state. I think this is a slam dunk. Really. The only thing I can't stand I love Clemson downfall. I'm all all for Clemson downfall. Um, I don't understand why people now think that DJU was also not bad. Like just because he went somewhere else to be bad doesn't mean that he's like not he's like innocent of this Clemson team. But yeah, give me give me the Florida State uh, Seminoles. I had to slip a bit in there, but yeah, give me the Knolls. All right. It, uh, it's, so go ahead. it's so sad we won't have it after this year, but it seems like the Pac-12 has been like the perfect like QB reclamation league. Like they really get the best out of like guys that have like previously failed in the leagues. Like DJU's been serviceable. Bo Nix has been absolutely fantastic. I don't know what you would say about Caleb Williams, but they keep on continuing to take guys in that lead uh, league where it seems like they get the best quarterback play out of these guys that have been overlooked because of poor performance. Yeah, that that's fair. And it's, it's, it is kind of sad of your PAC 12 fan that this is finally the year your league is just incredible. Uh, yep. And it's Michael, dying. Everybody wrote off Michael Penix as a bum. And he's now probably like, I would say he's the Heisman front runner right now with how Washington's playing. Like it's insane. Like it's insane how this league has been able to create like legitimate quarterbacks out of like fallen mm. pieces from the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten. Kind of these, maybe they're kind of more bummier leagues than we think. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> or maybe I'm they don't kidding. play pass defense in the Pac 12. <laughs> no, well, I'm kidding. These, these guys are. Yeah, it's a revivalry to say the least, or a, a revival to say the least. Uh, moving on to our next game, we've got the uh, Ole Miss Rebels, uh, ranked 15th in the country, three and zero, both uh, record and against the spread, on the road to the 13th ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Who, let's face it, folks, uh, look, they're two and one, one and two against the spread, but after last week's performance against uh, South Florida, just abysmal. What is going on with the tide? I don't know. Vegas has uh, Alabama favored by seven. You can find this one 2.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS, which uh, honestly, I kind of forgot that uh, CBS still had uh, SEC games, but apparently they do. Uh, So anyways, uh, Ty, who do you like in this one? No, I mean, nobody. I, I absolutely hate that I'm going first on this one. I'll peel back the curtain and say that I would prefer to sit last and just kind of see what everyone else says and, and make my take from there. Look, here here was the key stat. I did some homework on this one because this one was just like, I, I have no idea. I, Ole Miss has the weapons. They have traditionally under Lane Kiffin put up points against Bama. I just don't know. Like, I'm still, maybe it's just the brand thing, but like, it's still Bama. It's still Saban versus one of his former coordinators. I just don't, like Kiffin has beaten Saban before, but, 
I, this one is so rough to me. I just don't know that I can buy into Ole Miss against you know going into Bryant Denny Stadium in Alabama. I don't know. I don't know. But here was the big stat that really stood out to me. Bama is struggling so much with their quarterback and with their O-line. And if these things can happen, I'm confident in this pick. Bama, I have on good authority, as in I looked it up, is the worst team currently in the Power Five for sacks allowed. They're allowing, like their O-line is just not good. And I think that's part of the issue with their quarterback situation. Ole Miss already has 10 sacks on the year. Obviously, they haven't played tremendous teams. They didn't necessarily perform two expectations in that two-lane game. They cleaned it up with a sort of a, a backdoor cover off a scoop and score, if I remember right, in the last minute. Um, so the score ended up being a little cleaner for Ole Miss than it maybe should have been. So I just I hate doing this. I hate picking a team that struggled against Tulane to cover against Alabama at Alabama, but I'm going to have to ride with the reps in this one. I hate doing it. I think I've got it wrong. Alabama could have a big revival and turn it around, but give me the reps. Yeah, look, I I was all in on Alabama, or, or sorry, on Ole Miss to cover this. And, you know, I think I, I, think I still am, uh, and I'm going to go with uh, Ole Miss plus seven. I'm a little less so now that I know that Jalen Milrow is uh, going to start for Alabama. Um, but let's face it. This is a Crimson Tide offense that has looked abysmal. Um, they are wobbling. They are against the ropes. And you know who's throwing that next punch? Pete Golding, who is the defensive coordinator of the uh, of the Rebels here. And this man has had been completely run out of Tuscaloosa drug through the mud and you know frankly yeah i mean they weren't like alabama's defense wasn't tremendous and obviously at alabama you have high standards but you gotta feel like he has something you know he 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 knows alabama he knows this team he knows saban's tricks he knows how to kind of work around this and you gotta believe he is so ready to uh, develop, just deliver a massive knockout blow to their college football playoff hopes. Um, Lane Kiffin, of course, obviously uh, has that relationship with Saban as well. I just this is not the same Alabama team. The dynasty's dead. The the empire is dead. It's just not going to be the same ever again. And I think Ole Miss uh, delivers a pretty big blow here, uh, gets the win straight up, and you know obviously in turn covers seven points here. So uh, I've got the rebels um, there. So, all right, let's uh, kick it to Jameson here. Let's load up this video and see what he has to say. All right. Alabama minus seven at home versus Ole Miss here. The pick is Alabama. Let's not overreact to what happened last week and two weeks ago. Alabama played a really good Texas team. They're very talented, have a lot of really good players on the team. And they lost. Yeah, it was a bummer. And then the next week, they had to go on the road in a monsoon of rain to South Florida. And of course, they didn't look good. They just benched their quarterback. They put in Tyler Buckner. Like, Tyler Buckner is not that good of a quarterback. And I know Blake's going to talk about him because Blake hates Tyler Buckner. And it's just, I, I do not understand that move. Um, and Jalen, I under, because maybe Jalen Milrow just didn't look that good versus Texas new quarterbacks in their first year of starting that don't have that good of an arm 
playing from behind, yeah, they're not going to look that good versus Texas defense. Texas defense is good, okay? So Alabama's come to their senses. They're coming back home after a game that they probably really didn't want to play, and there wasn't a lot of, you know, excitement in that locker room after, you know, they benched Jalen Milrow and put him Tyler Buckner in the transfer from Notre Dame. I guarantee you there wasn't a lot of people excited to play that game. They're atoning for their sins, putting back the best quarterback in their quarterback room right now and should go out and handle Ole Miss at home. I feel pretty good about this pick. One of my favorite picks of the week and kind of highlighting some of the bald not knowers on this podcast. Give me Bama. Give me Bama. It's so easy. You fall, you fall trapped to the USF letdown. You fall trapped to the Jalen Milrow, uh, just bad game against Texas. But what you're not looking at is you're not looking at uh, like Ole Miss. Ole Miss against a backup QB to lane team had to get a backdoor cover in order to cover the spread and also win. Um, against a really bad Georgia Tech team last week. They allowed them 23 points. Like, Georgia Tech's not moving the ball that well in ACC play, and Ole Miss is allowing 23 points. I know it's easy to, like, go at Bama right now just because they're kind of the weak dog. They don't look good, but Ole Miss has some very obvious flaws, especially on the defensive side, that I'm not so sure, like... I'm not so sure this like Ole Miss defense could stop Alabama's offense, even with how Alabama's offense is playing. And look, I'm not reading much into that USF game. Unlike Jameson, I'm not reading into the weather factors. I think this is a classic Nick Saban mind tactic. The fans were calling for Tyler Buckner. They were calling for Ty Simpson after that game. Why are we only playing Jalen Milrow versus Texas? Well, you got it. You got your two quarterbacks that you thought were a lot better, and they somehow played significantly worse than Jalen Milrow. I think this is a rallying moment of the team of the season. I don't think this is one where Alabama goes off and wins the nat- natty per se, but I think they rally behind Jalen Milrow because he's obviously the best guy in that room. And I think he really steps up here. I think Alabama just has to play knowing that he can't throw the ball. He can throw a somewhat decent deep ball i guess but nothing intermediate nothing short just run the damn ball give me bama i think this one's easy i think this one i you're getting bama at such a low line and i just don't think that saving factor it just doesn't it doesn't go away he just magically didn't turn into one of the worst coaches in college football so give me bama i don't think it's a coaching thing i think it's just no, he got us I, I think he, i think he got his assistance wrong again um, he did. I, well, I think Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Reese was a weird hire after that Notre Dame season last year where I know they had a backup quarterback uh, like the entire year in, but geez, like there was nothing innovative there. It was like the best Bama teams when, were, when they were a little innovative on offense, they're spreading the ball out a little bit more and then using their good running backs whenever you spread it out, they can get big gains. They have good receivers. I know they don't have good receivers, good running back and stuff like that, but Geez, be a little bit more innovative, <laughs> innovative on the offensive side of the ball. So yeah, I agree with you there, Bobby. Tommy Reese was not the hire. Yeah, I'm just yeah, a little bit down on Alabama as a whole. But you're right; they could they could snap back on this one. We'll see how it goes. Uh, and you know, look, uh, Ole Miss isn't bringing Juice Kiffin. It sounds like so. Uh, no, 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 no doggo on the sidelines. Probably not good. But I'm still riding with Ole Miss. Um, anyways, let's move on to our next game. And Blake, it is a magnificent uh, weekend for the Shield because Big 12 play has begun. And look, 
I got to be honest, it's been a bad, bad non-con for the Big 12. You've been limping on in, but we are excited to uh, get this thing going, to say the least. It's been uh, bad. It's been, it's been very bad. bad. It's been it's very been bad. bad. You could have erased all results last week except uh, Kansas State, Mizzou, and it would have been really bad. And we had to deal with some of the other ones <laughs> later that yeah. day. So, and like even K State, Mizzou, like Kansas State lost, you know, lost to a, a Missouri team that, you know, obviously the line is only oh. like four and a half. So it wasn't like a remarkably bad loss to those who understand. Oh, it, it's, and a, all that. Re, it's, it's a remarkably bad loss. If you are ever in a position to losing Mizzou and especially Mizzou storming the field, showing kind of the caliber of that program that they don't even expect to win on a weekly basis. Yeah, that, that that's a pretty bad loss. I would say that's Mizzou a should, very, very bad loss. I, I think I can speak for uh, everybody on this podcast and everybody in the SEC as a, uh, as clearly an SEC guy myself, uh, that Missouri should be expelled from from the conference get them get them out of here but put oklahoma state in instead put tcu in instead just just get missouri out are you sure you are you sure you want osu are you sure are you sure about that (laughs) i would absolutely rather have the pokes in than missouri once again sleeper agent bobby is activated for his oklahoma state information warfare campaign okay well whatever uh anyways let's move on to uh (laughs) <laughs> this next game and it's a big one um probably the team that uh i think has the most hype of the new uh big 12 teams the central florida golden knights uh 3-0 and 2-1 against the spread making their big 12 debut at the big 12 champion kansas state wildcats uh who are one and two uh two and one and uh two and one against the spread as well wildcats favored by five uh you can find this one <laughs> pretty funny that this is a pretty big game and you can find it at uh 7 p.m central time on fs1 but i i guess that's the best the shield can do um blake who FS1 do you like one is one? not a bummy what are you talking about bobby this one is not a is bummy legitimate is legitimate it's i mean this is a pretty massive ma- massive ball game how can you not get on national tv because there's so many games this week, Bobby. We just went through like three or four heavy hitters that are some of the most legit matchups we'll see all year long. Couldn't even give them an ESPN two. Damn. Uh, all right, Blake. Who do you FS1 got? FS one is FS one is better than ESPN two. It just is. It is. It's at least a Fox centric showing. This is going counter brand though uh, with this pick. Give me UCF. I was trying to look. I couldn't find the deets. John Reese Pumley, I don't think he's playing. So I'm going to back the Golden Knights as long as he is not playing. The Golden <laughs> Knights are going to ride. They're going to ride off in the sunset, <laughs> rattling off wins because that bum, that running back converted to a <laughs> converted to a quarterback is not playing. He is the worst version of Jalen Milrow. I feel bad for UCF fans because Alabama fans have been complaining. Jalen Milrow can't throw, can't do this, can't do that. John Reese Pumley's the significant worst version of it, but yes, they get this guy. Uh, what's his name? Timmy McLean. Oh, Timmy McLean's a great, 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 great passer. Oh, oh, 69% completion. <laughs> oh, I love to see that. No interceptions either. Oh, on four of John Reese Pumley's. John Reese Pumley has more interceptions than touchdowns this year. I told you that man was a bum. And 
<laughs> I, I'm just out on K-State after last week losing to Missouri. Missouri has an anemic offense. We're going to see it when it comes to SEC play. There are a whole bunch of bums on that squad. I, in K-State's K defense, is just allowing whatever, whatever, even with incompetent coaching at the end of that game to get a 61-yard field goal. I, I was out on K-State in the Big 12 pod. Still am. I like UCF plus five with the backup QB just because he should be their starter. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's see what Jameson has to say. Kansas State minus five versus UCF. Give me Kansas State on the side. I understand. I was super confident about Kansas State covering the spread versus Missouri. Missouri won last week. And Missouri's got a feisty offense. Let me tell you something. Like, Luther Burden is so talented. It just makes you think as an Oklahoma fan, like, man, what if we had him in this offense right now? It feels like that we're just missing one more big-time wide receiver. And, man, Luther Burden would have been that guy. He would have been WR1. We would have stopped having that conversation. He is so talented. He is so, so good. And Theo Weiss had a really good game, so shout-out to him. Um, Kansas State is still a good team. Even though they lost to Missouri, they went on the road in SEC environment. Um, played a close game, lost it at the end. Let's let's not take down Kansas State's stock because they lost that Missouri game. It was just an overall good game. UCF, on the other hand, they've looked good, but no John Reese Plumley. We love John Reese Plumley here, so fade no Plumley, and let's talk Kansas State as the winner and cover of this game. <laughs> I need Jameson here to face the music with that one. Oh, let's not knock Kansas State for a loss at Missouri. Give me a break. Give me a break. He's he, he's become so soft in his he's become soft in his hiatus. I hate that he's um, in a little echo chamber. He's just in a little echo chamber of his little thoughts. No consequences to what he's just putting out there. I hate it. I need him back on the pod next week. He needs to, he needs to address his crimes. Uh, that's funny. Um, he will answer uh, for what you've done. <laughs> I should be writing down oh. a list of everything and just going line by line with Jameson next week to start the show of every bummy take that he threw out, thinking his little like, I'm going to put that out. The guys are going to agree. They're going to be like, yeah, Jameson has the right idea here. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> if you are ever mentioning the fact that K-State losing at Missouri is no big deal. Give me a break. I. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, okay, here's my take. I I think I've faded a little bit on K-State, just like a little bit. And I think I'm I'm starting to buy acquire a little bit of UCF stock. Um I I'm gonna be frank, I, I think they can play in the Big 12. I think they're I think they're not that bad. And look, they're going to be absolutely jazzed for this game in Manhattan. This is a massive, massive game for UCF. I think they keep this thing close. I'm not sure if they win, but to me, this is a toss-up. And as I learned in the past, uh, when it's a toss-up, uh, you probably take the plus or you you, you take the points. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with UCF plus five um, because I I just I see this game being an absolute all-out brawl, a pure indicator of what the Big 12 has uh, in store for us. Even though I was ribbing it earlier, it's going to be such a fun, exciting conference. And I think this is going to be a really fun, exciting game. Uh, I have UCF plus five. I think it's going to be close. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But I got I got the, the uh, Central Florida Golden Knights plus five. Ty? Yeah, I, Blake said something interesting, not necessarily related to this game that I wanted to address. But 
he said that UCF was his favorite new Big 12 team, which I thought was odd because mine is TCU. I would have figured that Blake's was also TCU, but um, I guess, you know. Belonged there in the guess. beginning. He um, thinks he thinks he was an original or something. That like got that. Baylor in there before us, and we were, or even now, we are significantly more successful to Baylor, and in the 2000s, and even in the 2010s, significantly better than Baylor. So, we, I... We need a Blake TCU like conference realignment history, like uh, <laughs> revisionist. Not, maybe not not a show, but like that would be a really good like that. That would be a good a, a fun one off pod, a, a fun uh, one off show. The governor be... was a Baylor was a Baylor alum, like forced like forced Baylor into that when Baylor had shown no success. Like I always see, like I I love going to Baylor games because the only highlights they show from like their historical seasons are from the Grant Taff era, and it's so funny they're like yeah they they riddled off like this great game baylor went seven and five that season it was a fantastic <laughs> they're like what the hell like what the hell like you're talking it up like you won the national championship but baylor hasn't done anything like really it wasn't until our bryles when baylor started doing things which is a little problematic now but we'll get to we'll get to that game in a second but yeah like tcu should have been an original big 12 team i mean anyway. i think it's, it probably should have been houston no, Bobby, did you see last week whenever they rolled out that big I'm not 12 about home now. They're ass they're ass right now. They no, they have been ass ever. They have they have no fans. They literally did this like the Big 12 homecoming thing for them last week, brought out DJ James Kennedy, which Ty and I pointed out how problematic that was for a women's appreciation day uh with these sports Illustrated, sports illustrated swimsuit models. And there were like five fans in the front row. There was no fans there, not even okay. for DJ James Kennedy. But, but Blake, but Blake. You're completely ignoring basketball, which disappoints me as as somebody who I thought, you know, really cared about the sport of men's basketball. You're just disregarding their value that they're adding to the Big 12 in men's basketball. They became good when Kelvin Sampson got fired they're, from multiple places for texting players. Like, it took them, like, yeah, like in, a, the 80s, were, in the 80s. They were a decade removed from five slam and jamma, Blake. <laughs> Yeah, a decade. Exactly. Like, I'm only, I'm not even three decades old. Like, that was a long, <laughs> long, long time. They, like, I'm not it, even it, three decades. Okay, fair. It took, it took, it took, it took two firings of Kelvin Sampson before he got a redemption job at Houston, which he's done a fantastic for his age. Great, great ad addition now, whatever their basketball powerhouse. But let's not talk about like there are much in the 90s, 2000, 2010s, anything like that. So Kevin, uh, Kelvin Sampson got there. Okay, we're just going to ignore the Kevin, uh, Kel uh, the the Sumlin era, you know, with uh, Case Keenum and all that. But okay, that's fine. They uh, did. They know. were they were a revolving door of coaches for P five programs. I think that's like very apparent. Whenever they had him, fair, fair. Tom Herman, they they were literally just juicing out the next disappointment at the major Power Five programs. Fair, fair enough. Ty, I'm sorry we went went down a rabbit hole there, but who do you got in this game? Ty, okay. Ty, Ty brought this upon himself by mentioning the fact that TCU shouldn't be in the Big 12 or as a new I member did not or whatever. Say, I didn't say that they shouldn't be there. I just said they are nouveau riche in the Big 12. And then you answered <laughs> in the most insecure new money way possible by trying to declare that you were somehow an original member but wronged <laughs> by some sort of non-existent rivalry with Baylor. Bobby thinks this is like around the horn where like you could just mute everybody and let Ty go off for like two minutes. I didn't mute anybody. 
You two are I know like 10 minutes. But Bobby's all over here. I apologize, Ty. Uh, thank you uh, for giving your points. Blake interrupted you. Yeah, I'm going to interrupt you when you do some dumbass takes. Wait, like wait, just a second ago. Oh my it wasn't God. even a take. It was. It was. I haven't even discussed either team yet. I haven't even mentioned it. <laughs> I'm about to go Tony Reale on your ass, Blake. Right. Stop talking. What what's the pick, Ty? Now that we we have levied accusations at Blake, I think we need to roll the tapes back to our Big 12 preview and hear what Bobby was saying about UCF and Kansas State. Because I remember that I was laughed at for putting UCF at like seventh or something in the Big 12 this year. I think it's possible, right? I I was tempted. I had this whole bit worked up where I was going to pick K-State because, again, we're a pro-drilling podcast. And I had this whole thing about Wildcat Wells and how I was going to find the find the money in K-State here. But I just don't think the money is there. I, I'm very big. I hate Central Florida, but I'm very big on them. I like what they bring to the Big 12. I like what they bring to the table. They've never won a national championship, but that's the norm for the Big 12. you got teams like Oklahoma State and they're claiming the same BS. Um, but I like Central Florida to at least keep it close. I don't necessarily know if they're going to win. Um, yeah, the Plumlee situation, like Blake, I think that's a step forward for this team in terms of, of what they're able to do. And I just think it's going to mean a ton to them. K-State traditionally doesn't really sleep on teams or games like this. So that does worry me a bit. But I just like I like the Central Florida. I think I'm going to ride the vibes, ride the wave. I like him to be able to come in and potentially win this one, but certainly keep it close. Okay. I, I think uh, a lot of a lot of people rolling with the Golden Knights. Uh, Jameson is a uh, is a uh, absent uh, island boy, so uh, he's going to uh, he's going to enjoy hearing about that uh, later. Um, anyways, moving on to our next ball game, we've got the Brigham Young Cougars BYU. I don't know. I just like saying names that uh, nobody likes to be called by. Uh, they're three and zero, but one and two against the spread. Uh, heading to Lawrence, Kansas who are three and zero, the Jayhawks are. Uh, they're one and two against the spread, and uh, KU is favored by nine. You can find this game at uh, 2.30 Central Time on ESPN. Uh, James, uh, uh, Ty, who do you like here? Yeah, so this one is alarming to me. I Another one where I hate that I'm going first. Vegas, really bad at, at getting a feel for both of these teams. BYU coming into their first Big 12 game. I think they have a very good matchup for this Big 12 or for this BYU team, not necessarily in terms of can they win or not. I just think this will be a a more entertaining matchup than a bad BYU versus Kansas should be. Kansas minus nine really worries me when BYU was just able to eke out a win against Arkansas because I think if you told me that Arkansas or Kansas or Arkansas and Kansas are playing and I just have to pick the winner outright, I think it would be Arkansas. So I'm not necessarily sure. I'm going to go ahead and ride the old money in this one. Take the favorites. Give me the Jayhawks minus nine to cover against BYU. This is a tricky one because I feel like we're in the very much in the discovery phase of who these teams are. Um, I'm not sure. I, I I had a total misconception about who BYU was. I thought they were horrible. They haven't been great. And then they show up with an absolute excellent performance in Fayetteville uh, against Razorbacks. Um, Kansas, on the other hand, 
I mean, they look good. Uh, but I feel like they've looked good. But then you have that one and two against the spread. Just that they've been kind of playing down a competition. Ultimately, I kind of think nine is too many. Give me BYU plus nine. Um, I, I could I could see my, I, this is the one game I feel like I have zero read on um, at the moment because I think BYU is good enough to keep this thing close, and nine just feels just a bit too much. So uh, yeah. Um, let's go with the Cougars here to uh, show out in their first Big 12 game. Uh, Jameson, we're going to kick it to him and see what he has to say about this ball game. BYU heading to Kansas as a nine-point dog. I'm utterly confused at this line. Like, what what's going on here? BYU showed out at Arkansas and got a win and showed that they are a legitimate football team. Kansas struggled versus a team that they should not have in Nevada and only won by, you know, what was it, seven points? Uh, how is Kansas now a nine-point favorite? I do not understand this in the slightest. Give me BYU and the points here. And th- this is just one of those lines that does not make sense at all for me, and I don't understand why it was made kansas yes they could cover but i feel like the majority of us will be on b be on byu well i gotta say uh blake you can make ty an island boy here who do you like welcome to castaway my boy because <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going byu uh there's uh several reasons uh, for this i think it's just I, this line doesn't make any sense, which makes me want to honestly kind of lean Kansas whenever that happens. Whenever we saw like a Florida versus Tennessee and the line was so short, it's like, why would Florida? It's one of those types of situations, but I'm I, I have to go BYU. BYU, honestly, last week really didn't do that well on offense, but I think Kalani Sataki did a great job calling that game in the sense that anytime they got in third, like third and long, they had some great plays, which kept them in that game. And they came back from like, I think two double digit, like double digit deficits in that game to ultimately win. Like BYU is legit. Like they're not going to be a fantastic team. I think in this big 12, I don't think anything about last week changes it. I've never been a big Arkansas guy. I think Arkansas is probably one of the bottom teams in the sec West this year, but Kansas, 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 what are you doing? Nevada's bad. Like Nevada's bad, bad. Like, um, G5 preview. I know we're a few weeks in, but Bobby and I talked about it. There's kind of three bad teams in the Mountain West. It's them, it's New Mexico, and it's Hawaii. And you have to blow out these teams. They get no talent via the portal. They get very, very little. They get no good recruits. And really, like the good Nevada teams that you think about is kind of like a Jay Norvell masterpiece that he was able to bring out the best in those teams. And you're struggling against them. And you kind of saw it against Illinois too. Like I'll say like Illinois, I think they covered the spread there, but they were up big at half and just allowed Illinois to make it a game towards the end. I just don't think Kansas has that like shutoff power enough that even if they do get a big lead in this, uh, in this game, I just don't think they can shut off a BYU team that's proven last week that they can come back from double digit deficits. They have, they make those smart decisions whenever they need to, I, I'm not a big Keaton Slovis guy, but BYU's full of a bunch of 25-year-olds. Like that's that's an important thing to always think about. 
And so I just always imagine BYU's roster being the same age as me. I like it just somehow they delay and delay and delay more because those are just some grown ass men. So give me BYU uh, nine points. I just think is too much. It's just prime backdoor cover material. Yeah. And it just, it just, it just feels wrong. And I, I, I know that I, I just have the feeling that Daniels is going to make an absolute fool of me, but, um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I just think nine's too much. So, um, anyways, let's move on to a game, um, folks. This is, this is quite possibly the sloppiest conference game ever, and I'm so happy that we get to pick it uh, instead of the iron skillet. Just as, just, I feel like this just twists the screw a little bit more to Blake. It's the Oklahoma State Cowboys, two and one, but one and two against the spread, fresh off an embarrassing home loss to South Alabama. If you've been covering our, uh, following the coverage on selloutcrowd.com, you will see a cavalcade of, of, of people ripping apart uh, Mike Gundy. And it is just, it's, it, look, it's been incredible to watch. I've enjoyed it. So please go back and read and watch all of that. Uh, Sam Mays is a national treasure. I, I love that guy. Um, look, they're heading to Ames, who also is a disaster at the moment. Uh, the Iowa State Cyclones, one and two, uh, both in their normal record and against the spread. But somehow, are fa- like they're favored by three and a half. Just fresh off an absolute crap performance uh at, in Athens, Ohio, uh losing to the Bobcats. You can find this one at 3 p.m. Central on FS1. Blake, what do you make of this game? Two teams, just total disaster. See, I have no problem with having this game over the iron skillet. This is not the one I have issue with on this because I like games that make <laughs> you squirm. I like I like games that make you feel a little uncomfortable picking because you gotta back one of these teams at the end of the day. Uh, I'm going. I'm going. Iowa State. It's a gross, gross, gross. I. It's what? What analysis are you supposed to give? There's no clear advantage to like either one of these. Both of these offensive suck. Like Iowa State's quarterback, oh, whatever his name is, it's not Hunter Deckers because Hunter Deckers is currently in prison. But uh, oh yeah, Rocco Beck. I like that name. Uh, Rocco Beck, great guy. Um, I would say defense <laughs> is still still legit. I will say that. Like I think Ohio, we talked about it on the first week. I think this Ohio team is actually like I joke could be a Big Ten West team this year like and could probably be like middle of the pack big 10 west just because i think nathan rourke the maple missile he's legit and they actually have like some good players on that roster and for the sickos out there look forward to mac play there's some legitimately good mac teams we saw last week with miami ohio they're great ohio toledo we got a three or four team race in the mac that's going to make maction really interesting come oct- late october early november um, I have, yeah, I, I, I go Iowa State. I have nothing to say about OSU. I know South Alabama. I chose them last week. I think they're a very good team. But the fact that you keep on rolling out multiple quarterbacks, the fact that you can't figure out a guy to start under center, center for you, the defense looks horrendous. Like, honestly, it's like the offense looks bad, but the defense looks horrendous that a South Alabama team that we tout for their defensive prowess, not their offense, is scoring that many points against them, especially at home. I, I'm going to go Iowa State. It's dicey. Like, it's dicey, especially Matt Campbell. It's 
getting somebody's probably going to mention that later, but Matt Campbell's getting a little feisty as well. So uh, maybe the feistiness is good. This game is going to make us all squirm. So give me Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a sloppy, sloppy game. Um, and we'll hopefully hopefully Ty has seen the Campbell video and we can chat about it later. But uh, let's see what James a bakery has to say. of a schedule, though. Remember, Bobby, a bakery. Before. It's a bakery. Uh, apparently, yeah, okay. Here's the thing it's a bakery of the schedule, but they got completely out athleted by South Alabama. They, the, the roster, it was South Alabama's roster was so good that the ball game wasn't competitive. It just, it's not my turn, but my god, it was, it's just genuinely shocking to see Oklahoma State in this place. And I've been out on them, I have been so out on them this season, and it's somehow way worse than I thought. Jameson, what do you have to say about this one? Seriously, like Oklahoma State going to Iowa State. <laughs> Iowa State a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't want to have to pick Iowa State as another three-and-a-half-point favorite. I did not like watching that game versus Ohio last week. And then I have to pick Oklahoma State here, too. They only scored seven points for South Alabama. Absolutely miserable team to watch. Like, and then Mike Gunny says they're not they don't have anything to worry about. Are you are you kidding me? This game sucks. This game sucks. Don't want to pick it. I hate it. It's a nasty line, two nasty teams. I'm not going to watch this, but I probably will. I don't I don't know what to do. I, I talked about Rocco Beck being something that I was excited about. I don't know if that's right. I really don't know. Um I I'm going to pick Oklahoma State. I really am. I just don't think Iowa State can score that many points. I think Oklahoma State will stumble their way into scoring, like, I don't know, 13 points. I just don't see Iowa State scoring that much. Oh, this is gross. Screw you, Bobby. See, and this is why this is why Blake said what he said about how he loves picking these games, so it makes you squirm a little bit. Because you have the Jamisons of the world who – First of all, I feel bad. He had just gotten, he just woke up after a, a long sleep, probably not enough sleep, uh, had to work the graveyard shift, and then has to pick OSU Iowa State in this just absolute clunker of a ball game. And look, my, here's my thing is we, we know this about Oklahoma State. Even though they're 2 and one they looked awful in their first game against Central Arkansas horrible team they beat arizona state which at the time felt kind of good but arizona state they're they're also trash got absolutely obliterated by fresno no offensive line like absolutely no (laughs) offensive line (laughs) they are they are in shambles arizona state horrible team so beating them sure good job whatever road win uh and then they were as i mentioned earlier wholly uncompetitive uh, against South Alabama, who, while they are a good Sunbelt team, at its core, if you're a Big 12 team, not just a Big 12 team, but a Big 12 team that was literally this close to the college football playoff two years ago, you shouldn't shouldn't be blown off the ball like that. You shouldn't be blown out of your own stadium like that. Iowa State, on the other hand, look, one and two, Matt Campbell, Everything going on there, absolute disaster, dumpster fire. There, there's not enough to say about that. It, it is bad, but you 
I I I don't want to call it comp- you 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 at least look competitive in the Cyhawk game. Um, it's kind of a ball game. You lost, like you lost, you didn't cover, but they they didn't. Let's be honest, it didn't look any worse than other Cyhawk losses. And then you lose to, uh, on the road to Ohio, who, you know, like that's a massive game for them. They're a sneaky good Mac team. I think everyone sees the brand and I think it's they're just some bums, but they're not. Um, if you have to ask me, I kind of think Iowa State has the edge here. Uh, it's in Ames. I think I think Matt Campbell, he's the real deal coach wise still. I think I think he's dealing with a really tough slate. He has not been able to reload after his golden generation and the generation after that can't stop gambling. Uh, so um, yeah, that's a mess, but at, at, at its core, I, I feel like he has the fire and the passion to fight back. You know, who doesn't have the fire and the passion to fight back? Mike Gundy, who does not think there's a single problem going on right now. He says, we, I, I believe his quote in the press conference is, uh, uh, saw a crowd's Barry Trammell asked him, you know, do you have any major problem? How do you fix the major problems of this team? And he says, I don't think we have any majors. We only have minors. How can you look at what happened and just think that nothing is seriously wrong with your football team, Mike? So, look, Mike Gundy has, cho- has chosen delusion. Matt Campbell, <laughs> Matt Campbell at least lives in reality and he's going to fight back. He has the aggression. I think Iowa State wins this ball game at home in front of their fan base. Um, Cyclone fans—they they seem like a type, like the type of fans who demand success of their team, but they're also. They also back them no matter what. They've seen some hell uh, in Ames over the years, and they're going to back the best court, the best coach uh, that they've seen, you know, in their history. So I, I have Iowa State uh, covering three and a half here. And look, it, it's the, the downward spiral is just going to keep continuing for the Pokes. It it doesn't get better if Mike Gundy doesn't learn to change or isn't removed. That flat out is the issue with the Pokes. So. Rant over. Ty, who do you got? Look, here's the thing. One of my greatest long-term takes started years and years ago is that Matt Campbell is, in fact, a certified coward. And what that means is he's not – I'm not saying he's a bad coach necessarily. The the origin of that take was he had those couple years where he was – doing very well, had just turned around the Iowa State program, and he was getting all sorts of chatter about could he go to a better school, could he go to the NFL, something like that, and he refused to make the career move, not because he believed in what Iowa State was building or whatever. He was just afraid. He knew he couldn't hack it, so he hung out at Iowa State. He's going to continue this slow decline into mediocrity. The, The difference is, is Matt Campbell and Mike Gundy are the same person. They can't beat their in-state rival to save their lives, and they just want to sit at a, a like a tenure program where they know they're not going to get fired and just continue to be abysmal for eternity until they just get bored of being abysmal, I guess, and retire or something. I don't know what the end game is, but if you want to see Matt Campbell in the future, look at Mike Gundy right now. So I'm going to take Iowa State because Matt Campbell is farther up that mountain that they're both descending into the pit of – you know, you become like an OU level team and just can't even get a winning record. So give me the Iowa State Cyclones. Jameson is once again 
an island boy on this one. So wow, imagine being an island boy for the Pokes. That's just that's just tough. And not only that, but like the best running back, they ran like three times last game. It's just how can you be so dull in, in what you're doing? It's it just makes no sense. Get me off of this game. Let's move on to our next one. It's the number three ranked Texas Longhorns. Number three. Uh, three and oh, uh, one and two against the spread, which is a little funky. You know, their only uh, win against the spread was uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. They're on the road, uh, taking on Baylor, who are one and two and one and two against the spread. Horns favored by 15 in the last uh, version of this rivalry for the foreseeable future. You can find this one on the Brazos at 6 30 p.m. Central on ABC. Ty, who do you like in this one? Yeah, I didn't actually know that this was a rivalry. I'll keep it tight on this one because I don't really have much to say. I hate Baylor. Simple as that. I hate RG3 as a person, but he is hilarious as a uh, as a, a media member. I don't hate him as a person. I just I dislike him because he's associated with Baylor, which is a good reason to dislike people. Um, yeah, I like the horns in this one. I, I don't think – this is a weird one, I think, in short – it's not going to look super convincing, but it's going to be very convincing if that makes sense. Like it's Texas, I think will cover. Um, I don't know that it'll be sloppy, but I think like people will just Texas will win by like, you know, 18, 19, 20, whatever variant of that point is like most statistically probable with football scoring. And then people will just be like, eh, I was expecting more flat. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, give me double horns up. I'm riding with the horns. I, I still think their Bama win maybe a bit overrated. Now we're going to start to see, but yeah, I think the horns have this one easy. Look, I think we're about to start seeing something in the big 12 now that we are in conference play and it's the big 12 funk. 15 is a weird number. You're going on the road to Baylor. That's a fan base that really cares about this game. It's at night. You'll have a bunch mm. of you'll, you'll have a bunch of scrawny white kids yelling "kill" all night long. They're they're fired up for this. They're all hopped up on Mountain Dew. I think Baylor covers 15. I I think the Big 12 funkiness with the refs, with just the overall vibe, it, it shifts the second you hit Big 12 play. I think Baylor does enough to keep this thing close. I think I think the Horns win this ball game. I think I, I I don't want to say they escape an upset because I don't think it'll be like that close within the context of a game. But I think Baylor does enough to scrap and keep this thing within 15 points. And also that hook, that that extra point, you know, it's not a football number. It's funky. It's weird. It's gross. I think Baylor keeps this thing close. Gets a cover. Let's see what uh, let's see what old Jameson has to say though. Texas heading to Baylor as a 15-point favorite. I feel like in the offseason, I was thinking about this game as uh, Baylor's going to look not as good this year, but they're going to look good in this Texas game. I I want to shift my opinion on that. I'm not really quite sure what to think of this Baylor team. I, I don't think they have it, and I think Texas could run away with this game. It's not a look-ahead game just yet for Texas because they obviously had the hangover game versus Wyoming after the big one of Alabama. Now they've got this game and they can kind of really focus on Baylor, and then their look-ahead game will be next week before the Red River rivalry coming up in two weeks. So I think Texas can run away and really stomp this Baylor team. Give me the 15 points, uh, minus 15 for Texas. Blake, who do you got? 
Bummy Bob decide to put this game on the schedule, which actually absolutely makes no sense in the context of Big 12 teams that are playing this week. A 15-point spread. Yeah, we all love choosing those. That's why that's why we do this every Wednesday is so we there can are two, choose these. There are two teams that are ranked in the Big 12, Blake. I'm just saying, had to keep the had to keep the riffraff out of the spread this week. So in a good week, in a good week of good football games with close spreads, we decide to choose one of a Big 12 team that could be towards the bottom and fire their head coach and uh, Texas, the rival team of the podcast that we are currently on. It makes absolutely no sense. It's just so Bummy Bob can do his little bit and be like, oh, Baylor. Oh, yeah, this is their feisty. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. wait. Are you trying to tell me it doesn't make sense to pick your rival's game what are you talking about like that because there's other better games there's other better games involving big 12 schools on the schedule that's what's so ridiculous about this one of them isn't even a conference game it is it's it's a bit of an anti-tcu take to say that smu versus tcu is going to be a good game i was trying to represent the shield by putting as much shield games on as i could there are shield games. There are there are other shield games. It doesn't have to be shield versus shield. There are other shield games on. But I'm gonna go counter to Bobby and his weird logic that this 15 point spread in a week that we have incredible football games are on here. It's it's all Texas. Dave Aranda's gonna Let's get go. fired if not this year, <laughs> next year. This is it's all bad. And I got some intel, some very good intel that should be shared that uh, Baylor uh, student section is doing a unofficial blackout for this game and they have never won an unofficial blackout game because as you remember the first one to happen was the uh game after art briles got fired and they did the cab uh black shirts and got proceeded to get blown out by tcu um i think a similar thing happens here the blackout games do not work in waco texas they just lose in horrific fashion this baylor team if we're gonna break down the x's and o's a little bit here Baylor's defense has some juice. It has some power. We saw it against Utah. They were able to hold them in that first half and really did a pretty decent job in the second half. Problem is you got to rely on Sawyer Robinson, who's a horrendous quarterback, uh, who Baylor fans really wanted. They hated Blake Shapin. Blake Shapin got injured. They got their wish with Sawyer Robinson. Turns out the the coaches know what's best, and the best quarterback in that room is Blake Shapin. Sawyer Robinson sucks, and if that offense goes cold, that uh, Baylor's toast. That defense cannot hold. We saw it in the Utah game. Baylor got out to not a substantial lead, but like we're pretty dominant that first half, and then just could not score come the second half. And if you can keep that defense on the field, if you're Texas, you're killing this team. This, yeah, this Baylor's a dead, this Baylor team's a dead man walking. I feel like Dave Aranda's uh, days are numbered there. So give me Texas in the 15. Okay. I'm an Island boy for Baylor. That's fine. I'll just hang out on my Island, drink some Dr. Pepper, have a good time. So anyways, let's move on to the one game that look, all of the the slate has been pretty good, but all of it is just trash. It is, it's been good. It's been good till this point, Bobby. And then you decided to just pollute this podcast with trash. And I know the next game oh. is not like we just do it obligatory because like we're obviously a, a joke, OU podcast. Yeah. But this is this is <laughs> we picked the OU game as a joke. <laughs> no, no, no. We we, we say that all the, the, the these other games are for bums because they're all a bunch of bums. None, none of these games are interesting. 
Except for this one, it's the Oklahoma Sooners, ranked 16th in the country, 3-0 against the spread overall, heading to Nippert Stadium to take on the Cincinnati Bearcats, 2-1 uh, um, overall and against the spread, off of a really, really embarrassing loss in a rivalry game to Miami of Ohio. It's Nip at Noon. You it's can find not this a one. rivalry game, Bobby, just because they're in state Miami of Ohio make it a rivalry. You have a trophy, Blake. They have a trophy. They have a little trophy. And granted, Miami of Ohio hasn't won in 17 years. But <laughs> they have a trophy. I looked up the Baylor head-to-head, too. It's 80 and 28 and 4. And we're picking this because it's an in-state rivalry game. <laughs> what do you... Well, I, I mean, I'm referring to it as a, as a rivalry game. It's kind of a rivalry game. You know, it's in Ohio. They have a little painted bell thing i don't know man i'm not used to the midwest uh OU favored by 14 and a half here once again nip at noon you can find this 11 a.m central on fox you got gus and joel uh Ooh. on the call hey oh don't i like gus I, and i like joel oh, joel's gus great sucks gus just yells into the microphone oh, oh, wow what what a take oh. what what a take. Wow. Basketball, oh he's perfect. Goodness. He's meant Here comes Tugboat Billy. He's meant tugboat for basketball. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I will say this. I love him. For, I, I think he's great. He's, he's really good for football. I think he's great for basketball. Fantastic have you ever seen, basketball. Have you ever seen Gus Johnson? Like, Fox at one point put him on the Champions League. Him attempting to call soccer despite not knowing the rules. It's It's horrible. <laughs> So if you want if you want to see some real bad Gus Johnson, check that out. But because uh, he always plot. he assumes everything's the pace of a basketball game, which is just most sports are not. So it's like he is calling every third down in the first quarter like it's a fourth quarter, like two minutes clutch time, and it just Look, makes absolutely no sense. He gave us the nickname Hollywood Brown, and I will uh, always uh, cherish him for that. And also, he talked to me on my way to meet you after that TCU game in 2014. I was leaving the stands, ah, ran into him, and I made eye contact. And I'm like, Gus, that was a tough one, but I love your work. And he looks at me and goes, but that's why we love college football. And then he like oh. just walked off into the night. And I was like, "That this is incredible. Uh, it made, made my night a little less worse when I get into good old Gus Johnson. But anyways, let's get into the ball game here. Uh, Blake, who do you like in this one? Yeah, I'm going to go OU. I think it's probably a little bit closer, uh, similar kind of to the SMU game where it's kind of comes down to the wire. OU pulls away. Like, I don't think OU's in any threat per se to losing to Cincinnati throughout the entire game. It's just scoring enough points to cover the spread. But OU looks pretty legit this year. I really like, like, they actually have a bakery of a schedule, especially with the team that they have now. Um, I, yeah, I just don't see many losses on OU schedule at all. It, the only one I see is Texas right now. That's like could be kind of clear, and even then, it's rivalry game, a true rivalry game, not some little mid Midwest BS. Let's just create a trophy to call it a rivalry. But um, yeah, I'm gonna take OU. There's no way there. I'm I'm not backing stinky Cincinnati. We kind of <laughs> we 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 saw them. I said they were the worst Big Twelve team, and I still kind of agree with that. Like <laughs> Houston's kind of dead man walking, but they're bad. Like I just don't think Cincinnati's all that good. So give me OU. Okay, let's see what Jameson thinks. Oklahoma favored by 14 and a half going to Cincinnati. I'm going to pick Oklahoma to cover this spread, but there's some big things I'm looking for in terms of how we can do it. 
At number one, I'm really looking at the offensive line. The offensive line should be able to win us this game in the first half and even cover the spread in this first half. We're going against a defensive line that has multiple guys that would be going to the NFL, be playing on Sunday there. So even though our offensive line has looked decent at the beginning of the season, it's starting to fizzle out and show some cracks in the armor right now of what weaknesses we could have. Left guard, Savion Bird, concussion protocol. I mean, I, I can't assume how this guy's going through it, but if he doesn't play, I'm looking a lot at who's going to be taking that left guard position and who's going to get that start. Um, and if Walter Rouse is going to have to have a better, a better game at left tackle, it's as simple as that. Um, Jacob Sexton didn't look like it, it, like he was doing that well either. Obviously I didn't expect much from him coming back from his ACL injury. Um, but I really want this offensive line to show out and run blocking. I feel like that's the biggest, biggest deal here. Um, can they open up big plays and have Tolly Walker and Marcus Major go out there and have 10-plus yard runs on the day? I don't expect Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk to get the run that they did last week versus Tulsa. Now, on the defense, I'm really looking for a big-time pass rush. Get to Emory Jones and not let Emory Jones escape the pocket and extend plays as much. Collapse the pocket on him, make him make stupid plays, get turnovers, get ahead early. So give me Oklahoma, minus 14 and a half. All right, great analysis there, Jameson. Look, I mentioned the Big 12 funk my last play, and, you know, I love the Sooners. I'm proud of them for what they've done. But this first game in Nippert, you got that hook again um, with OU here. I kind of think this one's closer than 14 and a half. I, I, I'm going to go with Cincy to cover. Um, OU offense uh, on both sides of the ball in the trenches has not really been tested yet. Cincinnati is changing that uh, defensively. They have a very solid line, as James mentioned. Um, didn't mention the, one of the best names in college football, Dante Corleone, the godfather out there uh, for Cincy. That's what legitimately what they call him. I didn't just make up with that. Um, That's amazing. I know it's, it's incredible. Cincinnati has a pretty stout defense. I think this is a sneaky, bigger test than people think. Obviously you look at Miami of Ohio and you're like, you know what? That's a bad loss. It was uh, Cincinnati also missed bad opportunities in the red zone that game. And not only that, but you cannot, as an OU fan, I've seen this many times, you cannot judge a team by what they just played bef the, the week before. We saw it last year with Kansas State. We've seen it most of the times Kansas State beats us. They look like crap the week before, and then they show up and they look immaculate against OU. That's just how teams work. I think Cincinnati shows up for this one, even though it's at noon, you know, not their trademark night games at Nippert. Uh, I think they show out, make this a really tough environment. Uh, this is OU's first real road game. Tulsa was not it. Trust me. That was a, that was absolutely a home ball game. Uh, and I think, I don't know if OU struggles in this one, but I think they, I, I think they fail to cover the spread. I think this is a bigger test than people are expecting. Uh, so give me the Bearcats to cover 14 and a half here. More than happy to be wrong. If, if OU covers, I will be legitimately very impressed with the Sooners. And uh, we'll just keep this hype, hype train. I'll, I'll keep the hype train running. But I just I just see this uh, this being a bit of a, a bit of a trap situation for the Sooners. Ty? Look, Jameson is unfortunately not here tonight which means that there's only two OU fans on the podcast right now, Blake and I. 
I'm taking the Sooners. I don't know why anyone would take Houston of the North. Uh, it's like a satellite campus of Houston, commuter schools with no fans. Uh, they're not good. They weren't good when they made the playoff through, I don't know what sort of crooked system got them in there, like some sort of, I think they did it as a, a gimmick to be funny, uh, to like roast Notre Dame probably or something. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know why anyone would take Cincy. Like Bobby and I did a podcast. We dove into it uh, more seriously, a little bit deeper, right? There are things Cincy can do to keep it close. At the turnover game we touched on, things like that. But you just can't count on stuff like that. Like if you look at this game, I think, and run through it, 10,000 times, the vast majority of the time, OU is going to get the cover in my mind. Yes, it's going to be a much bigger test, but we've seen that OU can dial things up when we need to. I honestly, you know, I've been critical of some of the stuff on this OU team, but I don't think we've seen this OU team at anything close to full power. Well, maybe we've seen it close, but we haven't seen this OU team at full power yet. And we're starting to get the incentive to really turn the heat up, turn the dial up now that we're in Big 12 play. I love the Sooners in this one. 14 and a half. Yeah, the hook worries me. It's a road game. It's a you know place where we aren't used to traveling to. I feel like there can be some, you know, you know, road games are not all created equal for going down to TCU, not to diminish TCU, but like if we're going down to like the Fort Worth area, completely different thing. Give me the Sooners. Okay. I I feel dirty going against the Sooners on an island here. Oh, this feels wrong, but look. I, I still feel I still feel what I feel. I'm not using a mulligan. I think since he keeps it close. Uh, all right, let's go with our favorite pick of the week. Up next. Why are the brakes working? Because I cut the brakes. Wild card, bitches. Yeah. What? Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. That's right. It is time for our wild card picks where we pick. Any game we want on the slate. And Ty, you have first choice here as the uh, person sitting in fourth. What magic do you have uh, stirred up for us today? The most magical thing that one can have on the wild card. Just, mm, Lord have mercy. Jameson's not here to stop me. Jameson's not here. To, I know he's listening to this. Uh, hopefully right now, or he's listening to this in a little bit when he gets off his shift, but He's not here to stop me. I'm going to have to act up. I'm going to do it. You guys already know where I'm going. Texas State. Boko the Bobcat. Minus 17. Last year, Texas State. Abysmal on the road. So bad on the road. Texas State. Never really good ever. Who are they playing? They're playing the Nevada Wolfpack, who is 0-3. Here's why this is risky, right? Nevada looked pretty legitimate against Kansas. Is Kansas a better team than Texas State? Probably, but we're talking about a Texas State team, right? Maybe one of the best teams within Texas. That record's still up for grabs. I think Rice currently leading the pack. But if we look at all the Texas between Texas games, Texas State still could be up there, you know, if Baylor shocks the world. Texas State having beat Baylor. I just like the line, not good, right? Don't get me wrong. Minus 17 as of right now, according to uh, to DraftKings, because we picked these sort of live. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm going to have to act up. I'm going to have to take the Bobcats. I believe in them, right? Jameson believes in giving them some space so that they can prosper. 
Uh, but what he doesn't know is that Texas State thrives on people believing in them. I believe in them. Give me the Bobcats. All right. I love a Boko appearance, especially Boko minus 17 and a half. When do you mm-hmm. ever get that? That's just a treat. Boko being good. That's delightful. I'm I'm all in favor of that. I did, so, I did seriously consider taking SMU. <laughs> Which that, would have been, that would have been good. That would have been good, I will say. Uh look, here's my thing. I've been atrocious at wild cards. If you've if you've been following, you know I'm 0-3. I haven't hit a single one. I even tried to spite San Diego City uh last week. Didn't work. Uh I Oregon State just kind of came up flat. It just was not a good performance. And uh, as as longtime listeners of the podcast know, uh, I recently lost a Malort bet, uh, which is one thing that we keep doing on this podcast. And uh, look, Blake, um, I'm I've decided I'm not going to do it in Dallas. I'm going to Chicago, the uh, home of Malort. No, no, we're just about to be together. No, no. Mm. Okay. Well, well, no, I mean, I. I am going to be in Chicago tomorrow, but, um, so yeah, you know, okay. I wait, will hold wait, off. No, on wait, but wait, where do you go? Wait, where are you going with this pick? Because we might have to, we might have to do another alert bet maybe. So you can, <laughs> maybe, you can maybe do. I'm doing a, so we need to find another alert bet between now and, uh, Texas weekend. Uh, or maybe I just do a malort for fun, a, a leisurely malort, a pre-malort, one may say. Pre-malort, yes. A pre- it does not work. Like, I've I've it, tried that before. It does not it, work. It did not it work. Just it ruins your night, especially pre pre-malort weeks in advance. Not good. Uh, anyways, I'm taking a trip up to the Midwest, not to go to Cincinnati, but to go to Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, we're uh, we're visiting one of my wife's best friends. Uh, Taking taking in the scenes, the cheese curds, all of that, uh, in addition to uh, the lovely city of Chicago. Um, gonna take it a Cubs game. It'll be great. I'm gonna go with in spirit of Bucky and the Badgers and Wisconsin. I'm gonna go with Wisconsin minus six at Purdue on Friday night. This Purdue team is awful. They are not very good since Brahms left. I don't know why Vegas keeps favoring them or keeps giving them pretty nice lines uh, because they're not good. And I, I think even though Luke Fickle's team did look pretty bad on the Palouse, they lost to a Washington state team. who's obviously fired up because they're about to get relegated from major college football. Um, I think they bounce back in a big way and get a win uh, and cover that spread um, against uh, Purdue at Ross aid stadium. So yeah, give me, give me the Badgers on the road on Friday night. Purdue Pete mentioned. Love that. Uh, let's see what Jameson has to say, though, as I pull up his pick. Oh, boy. The wild card pick. I feel like my picks, for as long as the wild card pick has been a thing, it's either been picking against a team out of spite or picking out of the true love of my heart for a team. There's really not too much other than those two topics. So... I'm going to once again give a shout-out to my boys, Texas State. Man, y'all could have put up 100 points on Jackson State last week. Y'all looking good. Looking really, really good. Yes. Would I like to pick you as my wild card this week? Absolutely, but we're not going to do that. But I think I can (laughs) honor Texas State here in this pick as best as I can by fading UTSA. Screw UTSA. 
I said it in our group text earlier throughout the week. I got really bored last week in watching college football, so I made a 20-team um, parlay. I made a 20-team parlay. I thought it'd be fun. It was like huge odds, like plus 5,000 odds because I picked a lot of favorites, put a lot of favorites in there, and I thought it'd be fun. The first game, UTSA goes out there, lays a whole big stinker versus Army. Absolute stinker. That team looked like crap without Frank Harris. Like, absolutely horrible. And Tennessee is at home, minus 21 versus this UTSA team, coming off a loss to Florida, looking for someone to beat up on and take out their anger for what Florida just did to them in the swamp. UTSA, you are a perfect candidate for that. Everyone loved Meep Meep. They were a fun team to watch the past couple years. Sorry, without Frank Harris, it's completely different. It's completely different. And Tennessee is going to absolutely slam this UTSA team into the ground. Exactly what Wiley Coyote would have wanted to do. So give me Tennessee easy here to just take out this UTSA runner team. Go Texas State. Boo UTSA. Okay, what are the odds that Jameson wrote the Wiley Coyote line into like a little note section? And it was like, I'm so ready to drop this one. He was like, this, this line's going to be fire. <laughs> the listeners will love this one. They're going to love this. <laughs> All right, like, who do you, who do you got I, in the wild card? I hate this wild card because I love so many. And Bobby kind of forced my hand with this. And I know after this, he's going to have a certain response. I have a great counter to that response. There's so many games I love. Uh, to start off, one that probably should have, oh, like honestly, should have been on the weekend spread. The two forgotten's Oregon State, Washington State, two great teams right now, looking good. We got some great G5 action. We got Wyoming, the team that seems to stump us every single time we pick it, versus Appalachian State. We got UNLV heading to the desert, the other desert to UTEP, another interesting one. Colorado State going to Middle Tennessee State. Brent Stockstill, always pumping out solid squads. Jay Norvell, Colorado State looks great next week. I want to choose all these games. These are ones that on a wild card slate, I would sit down and choose. But I have to choose one game because it was left off the slate. And I know Bobby, this is where Bobby goes. You have a wild card for a reason. You could choose one of these others. I'm not playing Bobby's games where he's trying to flush out my wild card because he's like purposely leaving off great games off the slate just so he can force his hand and hold his cards. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not falling to Bobby's games here. It, it's all TCU. It's all TCU, SMU. TCU minus six and a half. Uh, it's Iron Skillet week. This rivalry has to come back now that the ACC uh, bid has been extended to SMU. For TCU fans, I got some uh, a tough truth to tell you. You want SMU to be good. It would be fun to have, like, Baylor's always up and down. Tech is never good. Tech is not a good rivalry. Like, you, everybody keeps on pitching as a good one. Tech sucks. Tech is not good. They're not building anything in that desert, not like the one we're building out in Las Vegas. Nothing is happening in that desert. Uh, Baylor is a great rival, and I think one that's good in the Big 12, but I think that secondary rival has to be SMU. And if SMU really puts the money where their mouth is and puts some fans in the stands, it could be interesting. I've been heard, I've been hearing from the five SMU fans all year that they just donated $200 million, and they acted like they were the only fan base to ever raise like $200 million or however much they $100 million for. in seven days, Blake. $100 million in yep. seven days. 
And like literally every other university has had to do that for some sort of stadium renovation for something else. But SMU acts different because they haven't had something to wish and dream about. And so I hope they become good. I hope it would be honestly be good. I want TCU to crush them every single time, but I want SMU to be good. I think a DFW rivalry is a must considering there is only two legitimate universities here that are playing, I guess, P5 football, if you can even count that ACC conference that they've assembled for the next few years. But I, I'm excited for this game. I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's going to be a good one. I just think TCU pulls away in the end. I will say the one thing that worries me, this team is a monkey's paw team. It's the ultimate TCU monkey's paw. I came after Colorado complaining about Chandler Morris. Chandler Morris was so bad. He looked horrible. Chandler Morris the last two games has been great. But then the game against uh, Nichols State, they're just randomly fumbling. It's the, the random errors. Last game, it's like Chandler Morris is great. He's hitting slant routes, but the wide receivers can't catch a ball. Like the wide receivers were looking fantastic the first game, and then they just decide to have Butterfingers next game. There's going to be a fatal flaw wrong with this TCU team every single game. I know it, but it's not going to be the one that I've previously seen before, which is going to make this extra frustrating. I could take crappy quarterback play. At least I know going out every single week that we aren't going to win because our quarterback sucks. But this team is going to send me on an emotional roller coaster this entire year because, one, the Big 12 is a lot worse than I thought. I thought I could write off this season right after that Colorado loss and be like, yep, this TCU team's going to be middle of the pack. Like, there's going to be some interesting games here or there, but, like, nothing to play for when it comes to Big 12 title aspirations. Last week just shook it up, just shook up the entire Big 12. I know OU and Texas are still there, but, like, Texas still exists, and Texas's Big 12 record hasn't been good. OU, we never know when Dylan Gabriel's going to turn into a pumpkin. He will at some point. Could be the college football playoff, but he will turn into a pumpkin at some point. I know it. So I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose TCU minus the six and a half. It's going to be a frustratingly close one, but I just feel like there's going to be something random that happens at the end that takes TCU ahead by seven points. So give me the frogs. Do you want to put some alert on that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. We have yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, uh... So in Preston Stone, we trust. They raise more money than y'all do. I'm going with SMU. For the Malort, not 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 not, not pulling out my uh, pot of greed, but I I you know, I want to I want to do a Malort that. Let's make it interesting. We I there, someone I, needs to drink Malort OU Texas weekend. Yes, somebody has to. You can do you can do your one for San Diego City uh this weekend, but we need something on the line. We need something on the line when we meet up for OU Texas that <laughs> Malort Malort must be drank. I, I think that just needs to be a rule every time we like meet up with each other is like between that period of time, there needs to be one Malort bet where somebody's <laughs> drinking Malort. <laughs> That's just that's just how it is. So yeah, um, pony up. Shout shout out to uh, Rhett Lashley and Preston Stone. Uh, so yeah, let's go. They do. They, they yeah, do. You, you gotta you gotta do slightly relaxed. It's it's TCU's uh, hand hand sign, but like slightly more relaxed. And that's why you get more. a lot of the uh, SMU players accidentally doing the TC one because they go a little too far in. They get too problematic. In, they, you never, you they never get see too a excited. TC player be like this. Like <laughs> ours is exactly. the one. Exactly. Sign, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's hard to find it right, but all right, we have a Malort bet. I love that. So I keep okay, on cool. getting 
uh, my girlfriend always asks me, she's like, why do you keep on making these bets? And I'm like, it makes it interesting. You feel alive. You actually feel some emotion during the game. Like, I've never felt so much vitriol and hatred whenever I had to watch uh, San Diego City take out my sweet, sweet maple missile out in the <laughs> out before the game, which would have guaranteed me to not drink Malort. It, it, makes it, it makes it fun. You got to put something on the line to feel something sometimes. And this is one way to feel a whole lot of emotions really quick. The best of the best, the worst of the worst, if you escape the malort. Because the thing is, like, money comes and goes. Like, yeah. you, 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 if you're gambling, you're losing money. That's fine. Like, that happens. You, you know what you're in for, but you can't escape a malort. You have you to can't win it. it back. Like you can win back the money you lost. You can keep on going through that mine yeah. and finding those diamonds. <laughs> the Malort, once you've taken it, it's taken that hit on your body already, and you're not recovering from that. Even you if cannot your unmalort takes, yourself. If your friend takes three Malort shots, that does not make that one Malort shot that you had to take any better. It does not. It is at, at that point, it's like you got nuked once and you sent three nukes over there. Sure, a lot of stuff happened, but it still sucks that you got nuked. Okay. It just, it, that's how it, it's mutually assured destruction at that point. So, oh, yeah. I agree, no, we, Bobby. There's no way to get back. Exactly. You, because you are scarred forever by that Malort. But, um, all right. That's our show. Uh, thank y'all so much for <laughs> thank y'all so much for watching us. Uh, obviously a long one, uh, one hour or fifty minutes almost. But look, we we love hanging out. We love making longer. these picks. <laughs> They're only getting longer. We don't even have what we are missing. One of the people he is making pre-recorded small videos, and we cannot go shorter. Uh. Eventually we'll figure it out. I don't know how, but uh, thank you so much for watching. We had a pretty solid audience throughout the whole whole, whole show. Obviously, really appreciate that. Uh, if you're still listening to this and you're on podcast form, uh, thank you so much for that as well. Uh, we really, really, really do appreciate uh, all of y'all's patronage, uh, to say the least. So, all right. Uh, that's all we got to say. <laughs> Believe it or not, we're, we've finally run out of things to talk about. Um Ty, you haven't spoken in probably 20 minutes because Blake and I hogged the mic. Is there anything you want to say before we uh, sign off? Yeah, it, someone mentioned it. It does at some point seem like this is some sort of guerrilla marketing campaign for Malort uh, that y'all are in on here. But yeah, no, nothing. Uh, I guess my closing thoughts are Colorado's probably going to lose. It doesn't mean that that experiment is done. Malort, I... I, I think I agree with you on that. I, I think we can all agree that Colorado long-term is something I think we all think is going to be very, very good. Or at least as long as Coach uh, Coach Prime's there. Wherever it's Coach Prime very goes. Good for them. Very good oh, for yeah. them. Every other program is going to expect a coach. <laughs> like Whenever their team gets bad and have to hire a new coach, they're going to expect a Coach Prime-type rebuild. And it's just not going to happen. Like Prime's a one-of-one, one, and I don't think fans really truly realize that. We've never seen anything like it. TC is probably fielding. TC is probably fielding offers to LT as we speak. Jesus. With like LT, I, I I love LT, but he's just he's like not, he's not Deion Sanders. He was the consummate like professional. Like he just went out and dominated, but like really didn't say much. Like that was kind of the cool he's part about LT. TCU yeah. head coach Colin Kaepernick. Jesus. All right. With that, we're ending the podcast. Thank y'all so much for listening. We'll be back next week to pick more games as we go deeper into conference uh, season. Um, 
And then we'll be back to uh, obviously talk OU Cincinnati on the Schooner pod, me and Ty uh, last time out with Robot Jameson for the time being. Uh, So it'll just be me, Ty, great times as always. 2019 vibes. Feels like 2019. I love it. Um, All right. That's all we got for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Good luck out there, everybody.